The Start On Demand. On demand. Manitobans are going to the polls on September 10th. Which issue matters most to you? Crime? Health care? Or do you care at all? As baby boomers continue to age, we'll tell you how to financially prepare for Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. The NHL Awards yielded a pair of special moments Wednesday in Las Vegas, one from an 11-year-old superfan who lost his mom to cancer last year, and one from an NHL goalie who is not letting his mental illness stand in his way. And are you a fan of the pop-in? Do you like it? Hate it? Our colleague Tristan Field-Jones has no problem expressing his hatred for the pop-in. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, June 20th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And yesterday, Greg, at about 2.45 p.m., you said uh, sent us a text saying, what on earth are we going to talk about tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was just moments after Premier Brian Pallister announced we are officially going to the polls September 10th. But I don't know how much there is more to talk about that at this point in time, other than the question of how are you going to feel about having all these candidates trying to earn your vote over your summer holidays. I'm looking at it from the opposite end because I get that it's busy time summer in the sense of everyone wants to shut their brain off and be busy with other things, like have fun, go out, go to the cottage, do things with your kids. And I just, as somebody who, as you know, loves a good election and or budget day, I, uh, I'm imploring everybody to pay attention to at least one thing, right? Like, it's a big deal. We've got major changes going on with our health care. The crime in our city is on our rise. Like, what do you want your candidate to say to you or your leader or your party? And when they come to your door, go ahead and slam it if you're not interested. Oh. Or just say, listen, here's my one problem. How are you going to fix it? Because we have a lot to be concerned about right now, and now is not the time to take a vacation I get on this that. vote. I that's get- my that's my speech for the day. Yeah. You're going to hear it again tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Friday morning. I just, you know, it's it's hard enough to get people engaged in the I first agree. place. And now uh, it's a summer campaign. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, a is little bit of a... Is that the point, though? Yes, of yes. course it's so the I point. So I think it's a yeah. little bit of a crime against democracy. Yes. You I, know people are tuned out. You know that people's routines are different than they usually are, it's already difficult to get that FaceTime with a candidate at the door. And so now, how many of those little flyers are you going to find? Ah, sorry, I missed you. Like, mm, I don't Which know. Is, don't let, so my point is don't let them have it. Of course they have done this for a reason. Yeah. It's a good time to go to the polls. Their numbers are probably decent. They go early. They get a second mandate. Fine. But don't let this be an election where you say, well, it's summertime, so I wasn't paying attention. This is happening for a reason at this time. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us to then say, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on this if I get my chance to. I get it. I'm not staying home waiting for the door knock so I can grill every single candidate. But it is our responsibility to be, hey, I see you. Politicians are supposed to serve us, not the other way around. This is self-serving. It bugs me. I I think it's silly. Is this part of the reason why so many people are not engage with politicians, why they don't trust them because it's because they can see through the stuff and it's just a game. They realize that it's just a game that politicians are playing. 
I want to ask you that question because I love the path passion with which you ask that question. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I don't care. Because McNab- you think- McNabb is super passionate and I don't give a rip. Yeah. And because I think of this you're, kind of crap. I think you're probably in increasing majority. So, I mean, I... I, I would love to have people over for supper or barbecue or drinks and get into a good political debate, but that never happens. And not because people are are not intelligent or not engaged in their lives or what's important to them. It's probably because you're right, Brett. They sit there and they think, well, I feel this way. Nobody's listening to me. They're going to go ahead and do what they want. I'd, I'd like to still believe that so many people get into politics because they do want to make their community better. Somewhere along the way, for many, it gets lost, I think. But, but you where you sit is, I think, where many Manitobans sit this morning thinking, well, I already didn't care, and now I'm really not going to care because guess what? You're coming to my door in July and August. Yeah, and I do care, and they're turning me off. So that's when I get concerned is when you are – it's like the conversation we had about the 30-kilometer-an-hour photo radar in the school zones. I endorse the 30-kilometer-an-hour school zone speed limit but i get angry when they when it feels as though they are dipping into everyone's pockets and not concerned about the safety so when you are turning off people that care about the process that are engaged that's when i think you have an issue i also just wanted to quickly point this out greg because yesterday you latched on to well not latched on to this but you you commented on this particular comment that brian pallister made thanks to the the spendy p administration earlier we have the pressure of higher hydro debt, which threatens to uh, reduce our credit rating and increases our hydro bills. And in case you didn't hear the, the particular part of that, thanks to the the spendy P and the spendy P and the spendy P and the spendy P and the spendy P. Thanks for slowing that down. Did we hear enough of that the last election? Yeah, I did. Because now it's the second term, right? So he got to attack the NDP coming into the this one, but that come on. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just childish rhetoric, and uh, when you, when you put tags on that, right? That I don't want to use the T word, uh, but that's right out of the the. I know it's old style politics. I just thought that we were past that. We're one, three years removed well, from that administration, but I guess that drum never gets uh, tired because I know the NDP will be doing the same thing. They still talk about what Gary Philman did <laughs> in the 1990s, yes. so I guess uh, they're guilty on all sides <laughs> of going way in the way back machine in terms of uh, getting some of their fodder for their dislike for one another. So uh, I just I, I I detest rhetoric like that. Just just talk to me like a grown up. What will decide your vote? Or will you even be paying attention? Mary Agnes is a partner with Probe Research and has some thoughts about that. We were lamenting early this morning just the idea that we want to be people who are engaged and we want Manitobans to be engaged in this election. But even before the campaign gets underway, we're faced with the idea of a summer campaign, uh, which would feel like it's purely intentional. Let's go to the polls early and get it at a time when Manitobans might not be paying as much attention. Is that fair, do you think? Yes, that's totally fair. Um, and I'm with you. Even I think even among like super political nerds, it's a tough sell to be hyper engaged in a in a campaign over like one of those like amazing Manitoba summers. Um, and I think there is some, you know, a, a bit of a mercenary kind of uh, equation here on the part of the premier that he's sort of counting on 
you know, grudging interest in this in this campaign and probably a bit lower voter turnout than than we would normally have. So I think that's totally fair. I've always had this conversation, Mary Agnes, uh, with regard to American politics as to why the Democratic machine has always been notorious for getting the vote out but it's that core right-wing voter the republican voter that always 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 votes the democrats have to work so hard to get their vote out that they need a machine to do so is it the same in canada where right-wing voters are very dependable in terms of turning up at the polls um that's a great question you know i think i think there's a similarly a core of sort of left-leaning voters uh, in Canada that are really dependable and in Manitoba. The problem here is that those sort of left of center voters are sort of split. You know, they're split, they're split nationally and certainly provincially between the Liberals, the NDP, and now the, the Greens. You know, the Greens are sort of finally gaining some momentum. And, and so we kind of have three parties um, on the left that are, that are, that are trading votes. And meanwhile, the Conservatives are just at this sort of sweet spot, hovering above everybody in the low mid 40s um, and just can kind of sit back and watch watch the left fight amongst themselves for those for those votes. Which makes it a perfect time for Premier Pallister to call this election. Yep, indeed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's uh, there's other equations that he's, you know, that he's got in his head. I think there's been a lot of speculation about why exactly he's doing this. I think there's some truth to the notion that we are just on the cusp of like really huge healthcare changes that actually individuals start feeling and noticing. It's not, you know, just the folks in Concordia or, you know, just the sort of the hardcore health activists. It, at some point, this is going to filter down to you and I. And I think it's, it's probably wise of the premier to get an election in before we all start to potentially say, whoa, this is, we're now we're really scared of this. And so I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's some truth to that too. NDP leader Wab Canoe, his podium yesterday had the NDP colours, but no NDP signage. The sign was healthcare. And so that's clearly how they're going to frame this campaign, I think, is one of the key issues being our healthcare. I know you, Probe Research, was just out in the community doing some polls and analysis on what will be the defining issues. I'm not sure if you have those results yet, Mary Agnes, but beyond healthcare, uh, is there anything that would push this one way or another for voters? No, I think actually um, healthcare is this kind of tipping point issue. I mean, health, when you ask voters what's your top election issue, they always say healthcare. It's kind of this knee jerk. Well, I can't quite think of anything else. It's probably healthcare. I know I should really care about healthcare. I don't quite know what I mean when I say when I, I, I'm really nervous about healthcare. But I think this is one of those times where we know exactly what we mean when, we're, when we say we're concerned about healthcare. Um, but again, I think that concern is. Is, is is deep. I don't think it's quite tipped over to the point where we're like, whoa, we don't think the Conservatives can manage health care, and we think we want to give the other guys a chance to do it. And Wap Canoe is sort of counting on, at some point over the summer, us tipping into forgiving the NDP for a lot of the things we were angry with them for, um, and deciding that maybe they can do it better. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's it's not a, it's it's not a stupid strategy to hope that it happens and try and foment it a bit. How difficult is the timing of this election going to make your job? Oh, good question. I mean, nobody cares about the pollsters, you know. I like I think, I think <laughs> pollsters and journalists are all like, oh my god, it's summer election. Um, it, it 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 doesn't really. 
Um, I, I do think that for most people, um, you know, they'll, they'll really start uh, caring about the election after Labor Day, you know, and, and that's not unusual. We, as Canadians, we kind of sit back and watch and really tend to make our decisions towards the end of a campaign. And so, and especially if it's in the summer. So I think, I think we'll really see the hardcore campaign happen after Labor Day. Um, so I think you'll also see a lot of polls and a lot of really heavy campaigning, like down to the wire stuff. Um, when the kids are back in school and everybody's really thinking, oh, geez, I got to pay attention to this sucker now and make up my mind. Yeah, keeping in mind that Labor Day is very early this year. It's not exactly. the 5th or the 6th. It's it, it's the weekend of the 1st of September. So that makes a huge difference, Loren. You know, we talk about the strategy for everybody. Uh, the polling numbers, would, you know, the most recent ones would have the Conservatives well ahead. Is this an issue for the NDP in the sense of, do we really think that could be a possible change in government? Second terms are the most likely thing. Incumbents usually always win. Or is this more about mm-hmm. NDP just trying to chip away a little bit at some of the seats that the Conservatives hold? Uh, yeah, good question. And I think that's where Winnipeg is really the key. You know, I think I think the hope um, among sort of left-leaning supporters would be that the NDP does exactly that, wins a nice uh, selection of seats, likely in Winnipeg, that sort of gives them some momentum, makes voters think that they're they're back. Um, and also gives them a bit of, a, you know, a bit of an edge in the in the next election. I mean, anything can happen in an election. Um, you know, I think and, and voters, we've seen this in the last few years uh, across the country. Voters do make up their minds and they make, they, you know, things do change. But I think especially with the left quite split, it's a, it is a bit of an uphill battle to defeat the premier, um, uh, you know, this, this time around. Mary Agnes Welch, thank you all, as always for your insight. My pleasure. Yeah. It's Elaine. Come on. Elaine? Yeah. This person does not believe in telephones, does she? She likes the pop-in. I've told her how I hate the pop-in. He likes the pop-in, too. Just pop in now. I'm a big pop-in guy. <laughs> my Kramer. Oh, huge pop-in guy. <laughs> Backling McGarry McNabb, Tristan Field Jones is here, Cam Poitras is here, Jeff Fortier is here, and McNabb is giggling because it was her grandma, I believe, who yeah. spawned this. My grandma, wonderful, 94 years old, lives on her own. We were visiting her on the weekend, and she said something to Leb, oh, well, tell so and so to come pop by anytime. No one pops in anymore, she says. And I started to think, oh, I wonder if that's true or if that's a rural versus city thing. Like, you know, growing up on the farm, people just. There's a lot of popping in, so much popping in that there was a good phase in my life where I hated the popper inner. I was like, can I just sit down for supper without someone popping in? And now I'm not so sure if I hate it as much or like it. Well, in Newfoundland, they have a saying when they're preparing supper and they're peeling the potatoes and they throw the potatoes in the pot. Say there's uh, five of us for supper and then uh, they put the sixth one and they call it one for the extra. Yeah. Just the in case. Inner. Yes. <laughs> it's just a way of life in Newfoundland and at the cottage, right? Yeah. So many of us have cottages. I don't, but I spend uh, time uh, at friends' cottages, and there's always the popper inner. Jeff Forte, you look like you are champing at the bit to get in on this, or is that just your normal, this just your my normal, normal smile? <laughs> it's my normal face. Um, no, uh, I'm, I'm actually a little against the pop-in. Well, I, I, uh, now that you said the cottage... I can see at the cottage where, I don't know, it's more, you know, come on over, whatever. That's, I can see the popping at the cottage. But here in the city, I like my privacy. Mm. I like to, you know, 
call me before you come over. Yeah, like when I was a kid, if I wanted to go play with a friend when I was six, seven, eight years old, I would just ride my bike mm-hmm. over and knock Pop on in. the door. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you did when you were kids. I don't do kids still do that? Now? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, in our neighborhood it's a nonstop door knocking or running around to other people's doors to see who's home. And I, I, I don't know, I, there's part of me that misses that as an adult because you seem to feel like you have to be invited to things. And then you'll say, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. And you don't pick up the phone anymore. And now you just text. You don't even hear someone's voice. And I think there's something quaint and maybe forgotten about like just dropping by. I love the pop-in. Yeah? I absolutely Give love the pop-in. Give me your address. In. Yeah. Anybody can come by my place and pop in anytime. I actually, I like it. You'll you probably have a drink or probably make you something to eat. I, I, I love it. I do have a bad pop-in story, though, mm. where I popped in on a friend because I was in town. I was living away, working at another radio station, and I was in town. And I stopped in. I said, you know what? I'll pop in on my buddy, and I'll, I'll see how he's doing. So I popped in, and um, his girlfriend at the time had literally just out of her mouth said, I think uh, we should split up. And oh. I walked in a second after she said that. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, I did. And he was sitting there on his chair, and he was just kind of like in a daze. And I just said, uh, I said, uh, oh, is this a bad time? And his, <laughs> his well, ex-girlfriend at that point, she just went, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it was your fault. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe you popped like, in too much, yeah. and she's did like, just, "I'm breaking up with you because of this popper inner." Yeah. Did a, you like just walk into the home unannounced? Uh, well, I, I just I knocked on the door, of course, okay. and uh, she she opened the door, Ooh. and, and then he she was, proceeds he, to break up with them. Well, no, she had, they had just broken up, and I had oh, just walked God. in the second after it was it was over, oh, and um, yeah. So I we went out and I got him a a, a burger and then he's like oh I got to go back home I, I don't got to figure this stuff out but I don't understand the people when they pick up their phone they go I can't talk right now why did you answer the phone yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> voicemail yeah call right you know I called call me back but that becomes harder I, I when someone's at I, your door I can't, I can't talk right now. Don't answer! Don't answer the door! Yeah. It's okay, really? I'll go so away. So now you hear somebody at your inside walking I around, you can I, see through the window, the TV's assume, on. I would assume then that it's I feel like that's what Tristan would do. A bad time. Because I'd knock on the door and Tristan It's not would always a breakup that you're interrupting. You could be yeah. interrupting other things, no, Tristan. The, the poppin always annoyed me. Mm. Everything I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when I was a kid, I remember. Uh, uh, even as a kid, yeah, I had a buddy of mine. Even as a kid, six year olds like, oh, is my friend here to play again? No, it was a matter of I enjoyed. Uh, no, I wasn't six. I think it might have been I don't know, ten, eleven, twelve ish. Uh, and, uh, you know, a buddy of mine loved going to the pool, and I enjoyed sleeping in. And every morning during the summer, it was like, do you want to go to the pool? No. You want to go to the pool? How about no? You're just antisocial. Yeah, and then what happens is I said, well, why don't you give me a call so that I could shut the phone off and it wouldn't bother me afterwards. Why don't you just go to the pool and have fun, Tristan? I did that once in a while when when I wanted to. Oh, right. But it's just it wasn't the popping always annoyed me because it's like maybe you have plans or maybe I'm busy sleeping. How old were you? I don't know, 10, 11, 12-ish. And what plans did you have? Oh, I enjoyed sleeping in. Angst. And then you had an appointment with angst. No, I didn't have. It wasn't just with angst. It was just you know, like this is the stuff. And I, I mean, I, I appreciated the uh, enthusiasm, if you will. You wanted actually, to no, sleep. I really didn't. What yes. time of day was this? Wow, this was. Well, if you mean, it was for me, it was early. I've always slept in late. It was like nine a.m. You should be like six foot seven, based on the sleep schedule you're insinuating you had as a as a teenager. I once popped in on somebody, but it, sort of. It wasn't quite a pop in. I was sitting in my apartment. 
and I was trying to watch a movie and I couldn't hear my movie because the guy downstairs was playing his movie so loud. Oh. So I went and knocked on the door. <laughs> And Greg, I think, has heard this story before. So I went and knocked on the door, and I had to, to really beat on the door. And finally, I could hear the, the movie turn down. Dude answers the door. He's got he's just wearing a towel. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And I looked at him, and he kind of had a smirk on his face. And I said, hey, man. Uh, and then this girl pops her head around the corner. <laughs> and uh, you could tell that maybe she was wearing not a lot of clothing. And I said, I'm really sorry to interrupt. I guess you had the movie up loud to mask what was going on here, but I can't hear my own television, so you could turn it down a little bit before you resume your activities. <laughs> so I felt kind of bad for popping in there, but uh, it was it was an amusing moment. But I don't know what uh, what to feel about the pop, and I I I don't do the pop, and I will always call ahead, even with my parents, my dad. I'll, he always says, just come by anytime, but I always give him a heads up because I don't like to surprise people. Yeah, the heads up's really good. What just I don't like is common it, courtesy. it used to happen often on the farm is that the door knock would happen and then they'd come in. So lots of people would come and just come right in. Sure, and it was so the knock and open. It was the knock and <laughs> open. So that you would be coming up the stairs like just out of the shower. You'd have a towel on or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, I knocked. You're like, right. And I didn't answer. Like what? Mm-hmm. Like So I don't mind the pop in. But if I'm not answering the door, that doesn't mean I can't, you know, hear you. There was one uh, person that would come by my grandma's place, and she would she would do the popping, but she would stay for like four hours and just (laughs) endlessly drone. So that's not popping in; that's staying over. (laughs) Well, one time my grandma she grabbed she grabbed us. We were little kids, and she was watching us. So she grabs us and she goes quiet, shoves us into uh, the side room, and we hid like like we ducked under the bed while this person was kind of lapping around the house looking for us. No, no, no. No, at that point, you just tell them, listen, I appreciate the visit, but not a four-hour visit. This is not your house. Go. You hide. I think we should all pop up on a chest Hiding doesn't work, though. (laughs) Hiding doesn't solve the problem. Ignoring the problem doesn't take care of the problem. Take care of your problem and stop being a person. Tristan was a curmudgeon before he was double digits. (laughs) Stop being a person. (laughs) Cease to exist. Well, not cease to exist. That's a bitch. I'm not advocating for them to cease to exist. Stop being a person. Well, I mean, just stop being an annoying person is what I meant, which is person. I think you would, I think think we could get you to appreciate the poppin'. I miss the poppin'. I mean, if you miss the poppin', that's fine. That's up to you. you. I don't miss it. But I I could use more poppin' in it. Whatever works for you, Loren. I mean, that's you, and that's fine, but I don't miss it. I'm absolutely getting your address today from HR, and I'm poppin' in, man. Good luck with that. I'm going to invite you to the pool. Mm hmm. <laughs> Don't you have a pool at your place? I do. What do you yes. think of the pop in 204 780 6868? We're popping it. No. Who wants to go swimming at uh, Tristan's house? Next. I don't. McLean, and McNabb. I go on the Twitters last night and I see one of the big things people are talking about is Montreal Canadiens goalie Carey Price and how his actions helped bring many to tears at the NHL Awards last night in Las Vegas. Has to do with Montreal Canadian superfan Anderson Whitehead, who is 11 years old. Anderson and his family suffered a tragic loss last year when his mother died from cancer. Anderson's mother promised she would try to get him to meet his favorite player, Carey Price, and her wish came true. Anderson got to meet Price after a Habs practice in Toronto in February, a moment which was caught on camera, and that moment won the NHL Fan Choice Award for the best feel-good moment of the year. Anderson was then called up on stage by the presenter, Sports Illustrated model Camille Kostek. 
Anderson, right now we have another surprise for you. Anderson, one of your buddies could not be here, so he wanted to send you this message. Take a look. Hey, Anderson. Hope you're enjoying Vegas. I just wanted to say that uh, your mother was a special person, and sharing that moment with you is something that I'll always remember for the rest of my life. It was very special to me. But hold up, hold up, hold up. That's because it wasn't a recorded message. He was, in fact, backstage. And as he comes out, young Anderson is at first stunned, and then, as you'll hear, he just breaks down into tears. two things for you. One is this jersey, and the second is a question. Do you want to go to the All-Star game next year? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully I'll see you there next year. Okay, buddy? Sound good? Thank you, everybody. Now, I admit, even I got a little teary-eyed. There are times where we're playing stuff, uh, especially stuff that has to do with kids, and sometimes Loren will tear up and Greg will tear up, and, and then I'll, I'll be thinking to myself, well, if I leave here at 11, I can get to Kingswood at 12. <laughs> <laughs> Not with this one? <laughs> this one. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching this video and uh, seeing the, the child's reaction and to see how good Carrie Price was with, as he referred to him, this young man. Uh, it was just super emotional, and especially for this boy and this family who lost his mother. Well, so yeah. he's, He mentioned the mom being a special person of this young kid. Your mom was a special person. I, I don't know K- Casey Price's parents, but they raised a pretty special kid there too. So When Carrie Price hugs Anderson in that original video oh, at the practice. That kid will not let go and neither does Price. And it's so genuine. Thanks for sharing that with us this morning, Brett. For your kids or pop culture geeks, this weekend there is a big event for you in Winnipeg. It's called FanQuest, where you can find your fandom. It's happening Saturday and Sunday at Red River College's Exchange District Campus at 160 Princess Street. One of the co-founders is here. He's our friend and colleague. He reads the news on the weekend here at 680 CJOB. Dan Vatabonker. Dan, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. What is FanQuest? FanQuest is essentially it's a fan convention. It's like a comic con. Uh, same kind of idea. Lots of vendors selling cool uh, pop culture artifacts and, and crafts, uh, guests, media guests from different fandoms, from different TV shows, movies, and, of course, cosplayers. That's a huge thing these days, people dressing up as their favorite characters from various uh, media properties. It's awesome. How deep does it go? Like, uh, do it have to be into something super sci-fi, mm-hmm. or is it, or are there general 
TV shows that people are getting into. Yeah, there, this, is never, this has actually never been more mainstream with Game of Thrones, Marvel movies, uh, Star Wars. These are all the things we all love and we all celebrate at, at FanQuest. So this is like it literally is a, an event for everybody. People like to talk about their favorite characters, but dress up like them more and more. You mentioned the rise in that. What do you think's behind that? It's just a lot of fun. I think these people really enjoy uh, um, things like sewing and crafting, and the uh, the art of this is really interesting. So they just they put us so much time and effort into uh, to making these costumes. We're actually having two costume contests. Usually there's just one at an event like this, but we're doing one each day because many people will dress up as a different character in the second day of the, the event. So they'll come back and we'll have another chance for them to win. Uh, best costume at FanQuest. I went to Comic-Con, I don't know, six, seven years ago, and I was just wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. <laughs> but uh, I that's, felt... That's base, that's really well, low-level cosplay there, right? Well, I, and I felt underdressed because <laughs> I would say more people than than not were dressed up yeah. in costume. Yeah, definitely the case at FanQuest as well. And I was quite surprised in our first year. This is our third year. In the first year, uh, at least 50% of people were dressed up, and that just has increased over the last few years. Now, some of your messaging on social media is that Batman meme that you may have seen where <laughs> Robin says something and Batman slaps him and tells him to knock it off. So you've got Robin saying, Batman, there's no Comic-Con in Winnipeg this year, to which Batman slaps him and says, fool, we'll go to FanQuest. So has the fact that there's no Comic-Con helped out with people coming to FanQuest? It certainly has raised awareness. Uh, people are more aware of these events. There's a lot of smaller events like this that happen in Winnipeg over the course of the year. So certainly we, we have a lot more buzz on social media as a result of that. That meme was just kind of meant to convey to people that we are like Comic-Con. We're very similar to that type of an event. So, hey, if you're upset about there being no Comic-Con this fall, then come down and check out FanQuest. You should have a lot of fun. What can we do there? Oh, you can, we're going to come dressed up. Yeah. We're not going to wear our Spider-Man t-shirt, but yeah. then beyond that, what can we do? Uh, you can play in a number of video game challenges or tournaments. Smash Bros. Anybody here a Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. player? Uh, we'll, we'll be giving out cash prizes for that. You can uh, uh, attend uh, workshops and uh, events. We have. A, I was just telling Greg off air, we have a movie makeup artist coming on who's worked at many of the productions here in Winnipeg so he's going to be doing like a demo of how to make somebody look like a mutant that's what he says he's going to do um, we have a, I like act- how that's a thing like people want to know how to do that right exactly <laughs> um, well, people want to look like a mutant <laughs> not actually be a mutant um, we have an actor coming in from Toronto Mpo Kuaho is his name and he's been in such uh, shows as Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency and The Expanse which I know you love love that Brad. show yeah. um, and so he's going to come in and talk about his career and how he kind of got into acting and tell some stories about working with Maya Angelou and John Singleton and all these other crazy people he's worked with. He's had quite the career. Uh, and yeah, that, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm missing some stuff, I'm sure, but you can find it all at uh, our website. What is the website? FanQuestCon.com. And is this the kind of place where shy geeks can kind of come out yeah, of their shell? Yeah, a lot of people, that's again, another reason why people like to dress up. They feel that that kind of helps them come out of their shell and be more outgoing. And we do have a good mix of kind of shy, introverted people and, of course, more extroverted people like me. Do you find as a result it's people that you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you'd be this person to yeah. like put on all this this whole show, yes, right? Because it yes. might be so quiet by day. Exactly. So this is the person who, like in your class, kind of just sat in the corner and quietly sketched to themselves, like the superheroes yes. and all the rest, right? You don't exactly. know what's behind. That, that's why superheroes are so inspirational for some of these people is because they do identify uh, with like Spider Man and with all these other characters who are regular people, and then they go out and put on a cool costume that can save lives. That's what that's what that uh, means to them. FanQuest happening this weekend, Saturday, Sunday at Red River College's Exchange District Campus. Dan Vatabonker is one of the co-founders. Also make sure to check out his podcast, Media Nerds Podcast, with him and his co-host, Kenton Larson. It is great. Dan, thanks for the visit. We appreciate it. Thank you.
here's the headline. Horns are growing on young people's skulls. Phone use is to blame. Research suggests. Loren, are we going to walk in here one day looking like <laughs> like we marched straight out of hell? I don't know how long this takes if this is going to be an issue for us as much as it might be an issue for, say, our kids or the next generation. But this is from the Washington Post. And research has shown, and they're, they're not just talking about, you remember how a couple of years ago we had those articles that came out about chiropractors were worried that our necks, you know, were increasingly hunched over, was sort of reshaping our bodies because we're on our mobile cell phones all the time. Well, now it turns out that new research is showing that young people are developing what they call horn-like spikes at the back of their skulls, which are bone spurs caused by the forward tilt of the head. So the weight from your spine is shifting everything to the back of your head because you're constantly looking down at your phone. And the result is a hook or horn-like feature jutting out from the skull. And it actually has a couple pictures on this Washington Post article that's showing how it's basically reshaping our heads. (laughs) I'm incredulous to this, and yet part of me is like, that makes sense. You know, what do you see when you walk down the street even? Everyone's got their head down. Well, chiropractors call it text neck. They actually have a saying or a phrasing for this, a descriptor. And so now to see physical evidence showing up in x-rays... That's gotta be. That's gotta be concerning. Yeah, uh, very like, concerning. Are, are, are they trying to? Are we trying to grow more weight in our neck <laughs> so that we will lift our head up and get our our necks to uh, where we ought to be carrying them? Is that what's happening here? Well, I remember 15 years ago when the BlackBerry, or 10 years ago when the BlackBerry was first popular. Before, say, the iPhone, we had uh, they started offering at spas in Toronto like the BlackBerry massage because everybody's hands. <laughs> We're so clenched, and so they focus that on that meaty part of your palm, you know, just going at it because it's true. Your fingers and your text them. So then I was just joking in the newsroom. So now I have claws Mm -hmm. and a horn coming out of the back of my head, and we're increasingly not talking to one another because we prefer to text and communicate via social media. So now we're just going to grunt a lot and walk around with our claws and have our horns sticking out of our head and just. Throw in Tristan Field Jones angst, and you're a miserable. A lot of people. Troll. A lot of people call a VLT <laughs> a VLT the devil's television. Maybe it's actually the iPhone that is the devil's television. Yeah, this is scary, and uh, I I can tell you that the back of my neck is always yes. sore, always sore. I'm constantly massaging it or just sort of stretching back, and uh, I am always on my phone at home. I just cannot put it down for the life of me, and this is. Kind of a wake-up call. If I don't want to have a horn sticking out of the back of my neck, put the phone down, or at least maybe hold it differently. I was sitting on, like when I was on uh, the plane on the way out on my last trip, I saw a woman, she was watching a show, but she actually was like holding it up in her hands in front of her face, and then she rested it up on the chair in front of her. I don't know how she was able to do that. I tried and failed. My phone just kind of fell into the the slot behind the chair. Mm-hmm. So I just put it down in front of me, but my neck was pointing down, so my, it was sore. Maybe those Apple glasses were the answer after all. <laughs> yeah. You know, things, as yeah. atrocious as they were yeah. to look at and uh, people didn't really warm up to them, that might have been the ultimate answer.
Well, it's funny because they, so they go on to say that it's not the horn, although you might be embarrassed about about it. It's only going to be a few millimeters. It's the load you're putting on your neck and your and your skull and your brain and sort of just the weight that you're carrying. And so the suggestion is that back in the 1970s when we didn't care about our teeth and then they started this big campaign about like brush your teeth, floss, all the rest. We kind of had this resurgence of taking better care of ourselves. And so now we need to start walking around with people and sort of saying... Watch your posture. Pick up your neck. Stop looking down. Maybe I should lay on my bed and create something that goes above. Like how many people lay down at night and are looking down at their phones or their yeah. devices? Like you don't watch TV like you used to. You don't stare at the wall. You look at your device now, your iPad or your iPhone or whatever. Oh, we're doomed. <laughs> Greg already made me feel the back of his skull for his horn this morning. He I has, already have one. He has one, he says. But he I was swears born with by that it. one. That's my extra brain, I always called it. <laughs> your extra brain. <laughs> Only thing missing is my scarf. Yes. That's right. Felt out of place. That is outstanding. Red River Rising. This is uh, very exciting. Thank you very much for that. We always love when we get a little musical interlude to prop us up in the morning. Yeah, and that was just the voices of Omar Kinnerath, Tim Connell, and his son Sloan Connell, who is seven years old. Give a clap. Give a shout. Say hello. Go Go for it. You can talk. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so there are some of, I think, about close to 300 people who are part of the group known as Red River Rising. Omar, tell us a bit about who Red River Rising is. Well, Red River Rising is the official supporters group um, for Valor FC. And so every game, they, we take over Section 144, and there's, you know, 250 to 300 people there. And, you know, Sloan leads the cheers, and I lead the cheers, and we get everyone going and uh, move. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? And we move we we move the uh, the cheers to the other stadium. So, you know, we're trying to create a, you know, create a good, a good atmosphere here and, you know, and cheer the team on. Because this is what soccer and football is. If you, go, if you travel around the world, it's very much singing and shouting, and it's not the silent game that we sometimes picture. It's pretty vocal. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean... We've heard firsthand from, uh, you know, the players and, and the coaches and how much they love it. And, I mean, that's that's the reason why we do it. And it's, you know, it's it, it's part of our job here, you know, as like the as like the founding members, like the first the first set of fans to kind of get this going, because this is going to last for decades and decades. Right. Because soccer is only growing. It's not going to be something that's just going to show up and like be gone in a couple of years. So we want to set a base and have, you know, kids like Sloan grow up to be part of this tradition and. You know, have the songs that to become legacy songs that pass on decades and decades on. Tim, uh, I know I started going to Winnipeg Jets games in the World Hockey Association with my dad when I was about six. So Sloan's age, and those are some of my best memories. So you're creating amazing memories. Why soccer? Why why this sport? Well, we uh, my dad used to take me to the Bomber games all the time in the past, and we went to a few Fury games when they were still around. So. Yeah, Sloan definitely comes from a long line of crazy, screamy fans <laughs> in his family. So he's really following in the tradition that his grandma and his mom and his dad set for me. So 
Yeah, we're, you know, uh, why soccer? Just because, you know, I love the game and he loves the game. He loves to play too. So, yeah, uh, just because, because it's great. Hey, Sloan, how many songs did you have to memorize? Um, Probably about, like, uh, I can't remember, actually. At least that 10? Many, I guess? Yeah, probably at least all of them. All of them. That's good. You've memorized all the songs you know. So is this something you get together in practice? Like, you know, when it came to the idea, I've been to some Toronto FC games, and the group there started really organically, I think, with six or seven guys who just wanted to really get into the game of soccer. And then next thing you know, they had a section like yours that was hundreds of people, but they got coordinated. Uh, Omar, are you training, practicing as like a fan base? Or yeah, how does it work? I mean, we... Uh... We've had a couple, you know, pub nights where where we went go over songs and stuff, and then we've we've went to my friend uh, uh, my friend's studio to like actually record them. So we did a lot of, you know what I mean, a lot of practice there, just because you know I have to take so many takes of, to get a to get a good one. So Sloney in here knows all all of them. You know, there's about ten ones, but I mean, this is Winnipeg. We're sharp witted, so there's organic songs that just pop up out of nowhere, right, in the stands, and you know. The Sloan and I's job as capos are is to kind of, kind of hear what the crowd's so saying. So what you just call as capos? Yeah, captains. Capos. Yeah, captain in Italian. Okay. Right? And, ah. and you know, in 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 South America and in Spain and Italy, especially, you know, there you'll you always see them. In MLS stadiums have them too. There's always a, there's always a couple people kind of coordinating the the cheers or just kind of getting it going to the other sections. And stuff so like it's uh, I, I think back, uh, you know, the Jets fans are are very notorious for some of their great chants. So you're trying to cultivate those and uh, to turn them into a, that's just something a cult- bigger, right? That's just yeah. the culture of this city where you know we got sharp minds and we're going to catch something and we're going to, you know, we're going to we're going to make we're not going to make other teams come here and have a good day. Like they're going to, they're going to remember. And they do. Cause even when they score, they come right to us <laughs> and dance right in front of us. Cause they, because the, with the acoustics of that stadium, everybody on the field, especially hears us and, and we're not nice. Relentless. <laughs> Tim, do you go to all of the games? Yeah. That's yep. the plan. So does that mean Sloan, you get to stay up late on some game nights? I know there's a game tonight, but it's an away game, right? No, it's here. It's here. Yeah. Well, I get to stay up till like um, eight or nine or seven. So you get to go tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. The game starts I'm, at seven. I'm totally going tonight to talk in the megaphone and cheer all the fans. And That's what right. kind of things yeah. do you say, Sloan? Um, like, like. You look like a pumpkin. You look like a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. when, when we play, uh, like, the Forge's uniforms are orange. Yeah. Okay. So he came up with the pumpkin cheer. Nice. You look like them. a pumpkin. Just it's and, an honest statement. And also, like, um, Forge's Tim Warden's jerseys. So, like, we made up this thing called... Timbit soccer. Yes, exactly. Wow. It's this, basically the same jersey you wear, right, yeah. Sloan? Yeah. I wonder if they get to go to the uh, if they get to go to the uh, local Tim Hortons and lift up their jersey, and do they get a free juice or a free milk after the game like you do? Um, do you still get that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Omar, I'm looking at the website, redriverrising.ca, and it says established 2017. So, like, the roots for your organization? So I mean, I, I believe as soon as, the, as soon as there was rumors that we were getting a, premier, like a, a CPL team is when the group kind of, kind of formed, right? Loosely, right? Because we didn't have a team. We didn't have identity or anything like that. So, so the Red River Rising folks, you know, since then, have, you know, 
have gotten together and it's it's grown to to this and you know it's just going to grow more like let's not say that it's you know it's just going to be a few of us for for a while it's it's going to be like toronto mm-hmm. or it's going to be like you know uh, Vancouver is a bad comparison because they're quiet and you know well, we're way better than them. So. How, how infectious <laughs> does it get out there, Tim? Because so you have you have what started you know small and is growing. Do you find that the stands in the next session are then coming over saying, "So we're like, what do you say? You know, I want to be part of this or teach me that song." Yeah, mostly yeah. online for sure. The people are asking about the songs, and we've got a bunch of them recorded now and up. But we're in 144 and section 101, which is right next to us, is totally in the same boat like it'll go straight through there and just continue down through the stands hopefully so and who are we it, playing tonight we're playing pacific we're playing pacific and who's our biggest like who's your biggest rival that you don't like watching or that you like to cheer against the most Sloan? um i hate every team except valor <laughs> fc <laughs> yes Yes. <laughs> do you guys, do you have another song you can maybe do or another cheer you can do off top yeah, what of your do, head? What do you think, Sloan? Um, how about, um, VFC! 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 Yes! <laughs> right on. Red River Rising, Omar Kinnerath. Tim Connell and Sloan Connell. You can hear them in section 144. RedRiverRising.ca is the website where you can learn more about their songs and hear more of their songs, gentlemen and young sir. Thank you very much for coming to pay us a visit today. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. An email that was sent to us, and it reads, As the baby boomers age into the single largest generation of seniors in Canadian history, public health experts are warning of an increase in the overall number of age-associated diseases. These are groups of health problems that increase exponentially as people age, including conditions such as Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's can take a particularly heavy toll on a person's financial health. So for more on this, we're joined live on 680 CJOB by Christine Van Cowenberg, Vice President of Tax and Estate Planning at IG Wealth Management. Christine, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much. Great job with the last name. Oh, I got it right, eh? You did. Get a, get a gold <laughs> star for that effort? Yes, for sure. So how can one even begin to prepare financially for Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia? Well, I think for a lot of people, if they are diagnosed with dementia, it, it's it's a, quite overwhelming and they're not sure where to start. And I think that um, the first thing we would recommend is that you sit down with your financial planner and, and sort of assess the situation. In many cases, there isn't necessarily any need to panic. But uh, I think if, if you sort of hold that in and, and don't share the information with anyone else, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And in many cases, um, your advisors or maybe even your family members or perhaps your lawyer accountant, if you reach out to someone, they will be able to provide you with some guidance. And uh, even the Canada Revenue Agency website has a lot of information on the various tax credits that are available, the disability tax credit, the caregiver tax credit. There are a number of different uh, you know, supports and things available to people. But if you're not sure where to start, I would recommend that you reach out to someone because, you know, this is a pretty common situation, unfortunately, these days, and a lot of people will have information that they can help you with, but I think some people are, are just 
they're hesitant to even admit that they've got a problem because they're concerned. Well, if I if I tell someone I'm, I'm starting to suffer from dementia, all of a sudden that everything will change overnight, and that's not what happens. It, it usually things usually change over a gradual, you know, over a long period of time. They change gradually, so um, you should be expressing your concerns and, and your challenges early on in the process. Well, Christine, we know there was a survey that came out just last year that expressed uh, about sixty percent of Canadians said they would hide their dementia diagnosis from friends and family. So that's a barrier all within itself. I just sort of went through this with, with my grandmother and, uh, and uh, we, were, we were smart about it. And she gave me power over of attorney over a couple of different things in her life. But there were a couple of things that we forgot about. I had access to her banking information. And so I was, had been on a joint account with her for two or three years, my name. So when, when she got ill, that wasn't an issue. But passwords for uh, different things, including banking, including simple things like your cable bill, your telephone bill. A lot of those places won't even talk to you if you are somebody other than the person whose bill that name uh, has that name on that account. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about your situation, but uh, yeah, I mean, you've raised some excellent points. Um, one thing we do recommend to clients when they are you know, struggling with this is to go see a lawyer early in the process and make sure that they update their power of attorney document. Uh, there's nothing more important than having someone who is able to step into your shoes when you're unable to make those decisions. I think for a lot of people, they don't want to... Um, they think that they appointed a power of attorney that all of a sudden they are no longer able to make decisions. And I just want to make it clear is if you add an attorney to a financial account, you are adding someone, you are not subtracting yourself. Right. And we will always take instructions from the client until such time as it becomes impossible. And again, it's not a binary thing. It's not on or off. It's not like one day we're talking to the client and then the next day we're not. I mean, I guess it's possible if you're in a catastrophic car accident or something like that, but it, with dementia, that's not usually how it works. And what we usually recommend is, okay, get the power of attorney document, put it on file so that we know it's going to be acceptable. Because sometimes people, they do do it yourself, you know, will kits and stuff like that, and power of attorney kits, and oftentimes those are rejected. So, you know, make sure that it's on file, it's accceptable, you've gone to see a lawyer, everything's okay. But we're not going to, as I said, we're not going to start taking instructions from that person right away unless you tell us to. But what we would recommend is bring that person in with you to some of the meetings. And you can tell us, again, you know what, I'm bringing this person in, but don't don't tell them my bank balance or my account balance. I just want you to talk to them conceptually about what will happen in the future. And I want you to meet them so that if something really does happen, you know who to call and you know, you know who to talk to. So just start to have some preliminary conversations. Maybe over time, make decisions jointly with the attorney. So, you know, you bring the attorney in for support. Then after a while, you know, it may get to the point where your advisor says, I can't take instructions from you. I'm very sorry because you, you, you can't remember enough or you just don't have the decision-making capacity to do that anymore. But, you know, it, that would happen over, hopefully, a very, very long period of time and not overnight. And over those periods, you know, over that, that time period, hopefully that would give you enough time to dig up some of the stuff that is more problematic. And you made an excellent point about things that are online and passwords. And this comes up all the time in the estates context. You know, people pass away and, and you don't have their passwords. And, and you know, they won't necessarily deal with the executor unless you've got a probated will. And it's, it's, it's quite a hassle. And, and the whole issue of digital assets is, is, 
is becoming a, a massive problem. So it is important to make sure that all of that is, you know, hopefully set up on an automatic basis and you've got a way to access it and you've, you've worked through some of those issues in advance because if you don't have enough time to find out what the person's assets are or what their obligations are, where, you know, how to pay their bills, if, if you have to find that stuff out after the fact, it's usually very stressful and sometimes next to impossible to fix it. What's the concern about, you know, it's about them maybe perhaps losing some of their memory and then not being able to answer the questions that they might have liked to have, say, months before. But also, what what about just the abuse of someone who's living with dementia and the idea that as they lose their memory, they might have somebody uh, who takes advantage of that. And so you want to protect from that as well. Yeah, I think financial abuse of seniors is uh, definitely becoming an issue. And unfortunately, we're seeing most of it uh, at the hands of family members, which is really tragic. Uh, Obviously, there's quite a bit of financial abuse, online financial abuse, where, you know, third parties are targeting seniors and there's all sorts of scams online. But we are seeing a number of of children who have been appointed as attorneys attempting to uh, use those powers of attorney documents improperly. And in many cases, I actually don't think they're intending to do something inappropriate. They just don't have education. And, you know, we do remind attorneys, and we certainly will refuse transactions where attorneys are trying to use the money for their own personal benefit. And attorneys need to understand they have to account for every dime of the of the donor's money. So if you are acting as attorney over your mother, let's say, you cannot use any of that money for your own benefit. So if you come into, you know, IG and ask for $50,000 of your mother's money to renovate your kitchen, we won't give that to you. (laughs) And you can't, you know, and and, and depending on how, you know, militant people get, you know, like we we certainly have reported situations to the police and we, you know, we have obligations. I mean, again, in many cases, I think it's just a lack of education. So we'll say, you know, you must be mistaken sort of thing when we first start off. But, um, you know, there are a number of people who try to do things like add themselves as joint owners or change beneficiary designations, and we won't allow that. And, you know, most financial institutions won't allow that. So it, it you know, there are lots of, of, protections in place for financial abuse. But the biggest problem we're seeing is clients who are not telling us the truth. And so what happens is they are being targeted by a family member or often a third party. And that person will say, do not Tell your financial planner or, or your fin- you know your bank why it is you're needing to take this money out. Well, as soon as someone tells you to lie to your advisors, that is a bright red flashing light. That's probably abuse. And so what will happen is we'll have people come in and they'll say, well, I need five thousand dollars for this or that. You know, I'm I'm renovating my own kitchen or I need a wheelchair or whatever. And you know, it's your your money. It's the client's money. So we will ask questions, but we're not going to you know if they have, have reasonable reasons for needing the money. We're not going to be over overbearing about it. But then, you know, after a while, if the redemptions continue and we keep asking questions every now and again, we've had someone say, well, actually, there's this person online. They've been bullying me. Well, if we had known that, you know, early on in the situation, we could have called the police or done something. So it, please, you know, tell your advisor. Christine Van Cowenberg, Vice President, Tax and Estate Planning at IG Wealth Management. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB to talk about this very important discussion. Question of the day at CJOB.com, brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. Which issue matters most to you regarding the upcoming provincial election on September 10th? Loren McNabb, do you think it's health care, crime, or why is it a summer election? What do I think that, okay, what do I think or what's leading the way? What's leading the way? 
They don't care. Healthcare. Oh, yay! Engagement. Fifty-three point eight five percent. Thirty-eight percent for crime. Only eight uh, percent say why is it a summer Perfect. election? Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. To me, those are the two big ones: healthcare and and our public safety. Right now, is top of mind. It, we could have added infrastructure. We could have added a whole host of things. But I'm super pumped that eight percent. Uh, now it's seven. It's oh, changing see, by the second. Keep going. Boo. 50% percent down to 5%. Let's go. Prove our uh, expected apathy wrong. Right. Yes. I'm going to go on CJOB.com oh, and vote would. a thousand you times would. for why is it a summer just election. To, just to rile Don't me up. manipulate the results, <laughs> McGarry. Why do you want me to be angry? Because <laughs> Angry McNabb is fun. <laughs> when you guys get riled up, I just sit back. I like to lob the occasional grenade I and know. just back Ang- off. Sometimes angry I'm McNabb like, and angstful. <laughs> Of course he did. Yeah. An angstful TFJ. They're a great combination. <laughs> Earlier this morning, we told you about how young Anderson Whitehead, an 11-year-old Montreal Canadiens superfan, was at the NHL Awards last night in Las Vegas he met Carey Price earlier this year, goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens, because his mom died from cancer last November, and it was her final wish to get her son to meet Carey Price, and he did in February after a Habs practice in Toronto. That won the feel-good moment of the year from the NHL by as chosen by the fans. So Anderson was in attendance yesterday, got called up on stage. Carey Price came out and invited him to the All-Star game. Amazing. Kid broke down in tears. It was just an amazing, special moment. Another special moment, Greg, uh, as it pertains to mental wellness. Yeah, you know, and these award uh, shows are typically very boring. There's not really a lot to see. A lot of the results are a foregone conclusion, but uh, last night, something special. In the 2017-2018 season, we'll step back before we tell the story, goaltender Robin Leonard had a year from hell as a member of the Buffalo Sabres on and off the ice. During that summer, between last season and this, Leonard signed as a free agent with the New York Islanders. He also shared his personal story with the first-person account on the sports website The Athletic. He opened up about his battle with bipolar disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and drug and alcohol addiction before finally deciding to seek help. Here's some, here, here are some of the quotes from that article. The drinking and pills I was taking were to bring me down and even me out. Nothing else worked to calm down my brain. I could not stand being alone in my brain at nighttime. Last night at the NHL Awards, as he accepted the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy, which is awarded to a player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to the game, he shared an extremely powerful message. Uh, One that's been with me since the beginning I did my journey has been my close friend Frank Muja and his family uh, and um, all my special teammates um, you guys are amazing and uh, you know I took that first step got help and uh, that was life changing for me and that's something uh, we got to keep uh, pushing for we got to you know end the stigma uh, yeah.
You know, I, I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill, uh, but that doesn't mean mentally weak. Uh, and, yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm comfortable in saying no truer words have ever oh, been spoken. What a great, that should be on t-shirts. We should be shouting that from the rooftops. Mentally ill does not mean mentally weak. That's amazing. And you have some phone numbers that you wanted to share. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure that this resonated with a lot of folks. Uh, when when individuals, whether they're famous or otherwise, uh, share their own stories, it, it gives others strength to reach out. So the clinic crisis line in Manitoba, 204-786-8686. Or if you need a toll-free number, 888-322-3019. You can look up Reason to Live on the on the World Wide Web. The Manitoba Suicide Line is 877-HELP-170, 877-435-7170. And the Kids Help Phone, 800-668-6868. Yeah, we sometimes uh, forget about the human element of sports, right? I mean, they're not robots. Nope. They, uh, they're not perfect. So, I mean, what, what do you feel, Greg, about them using these opportunities to discuss things other than hockey? Because whenever there's a movie award show or a music award show, people get up there and often get on their soapbox about something. And, and more often than not, I find it obnoxious. So... Uh, in this context, I, I didn't. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, Robin Leonard, uh, his article in The Athletic had a tremendous impact on, I dare I estimate, thousands of people, if not more, across North America, hockey fans, non-hockey fans alike. And I'm hoping that his message from last night will transcend the sport and will give folks that are dealing with any one of a number mental health issues or addictions permission to ask for help and to just realize that just because you're in a situation doesn't make you weak. Um, you are letting that illness, that addiction take power over you the longer that you don't ask for help. And uh, Leonard's message for me uh, resonated. It hit me right to the core. I think the difference that the Hollywood speeches you might listen to, and I feel the same, is that everyone now becomes like that. So it's not just the odd person per night getting up and talking about wanting to say see more women in film or people of color or talk about Donald Trump or all the rest. It's It seems to run throughout the night, whereas in sport, I don't know how often we get those personal moments where they speak like he just did, where that's that raw stuff, you know, in a scrum uh, after the game, it's that's very, uh, you know, we got to give 110%. You just don't hear that raw honesty, I think. And so... I'd like to hear more of that, maybe less of that from the Oscars and more from other people who we look up to or our kids look up to, which is which is key here, too. Well said, indeed. Yeah, I think the fact that this was a personal thing, something that affected him directly rather than some political message made it far more powerful. And thank you very much for sharing that, uh, Greg. Uh, I did not expect these kind of things to come out of the NHL Awards. It's Nor true. did I. Uh, Nor did I expect to have Brett say this morning. So I was reading about the NHL Awards, <laughs> and I was like, what? What happened last night? <laughs> on Twitter. Did you two switch brains? <laughs> yeah, you're on Twitter. It's the effect Reading of the horn. Ice it's hockey? because of the horn that you now have from your cell phone use. The horn is changing your personality, Brett. Oh, my God. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.